2: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders joined by Rob Blanchette. Rob, how are you? Bank holiday weekend, nice rest up time for you or busy transfer stuff?
3: Bit of both, really. Bit of downtime, but like, is there any downtime at the end of a transfer window? Like, no, there isn't in the way it runs minute to minute. Um, but here we are, we're at the end of the window, and it's It's kind of a bit surreal, isn't it? Because we've been talking about transfers now for so long and you get into this tide, don't you, where it just flows and flows and it never stops. And it's going to stop soon. But then, of course, the day transfer deadline happens, the next day we'll be talking about what happens in the next window. So lots to talk about. And, of course, Manchester United being very, very active.
2: Yeah, Man United have also played a game since we last spoke and they will also play a game on transfer deadline day in the evening at Leicester. We'll uh, reflect on the performance at Southampton. A win, surprisingly. <laughs> a narrow narrow win on Saturday. We haven't spoken since then. We'll uh, maybe reflect on that a little bit later on and look ahead to the Leicester game. But yeah, approaching the transfer deadline on Thursday. United have some business to attend to. It looks like they'll be confirming two signings before we next speak. Anthony and Martin Dubravko, we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about, as unlikely as it may look at the moment, Some potential other business incoming. There's some weird stuff out there at the moment. Weird stuff going on. We've been talking about Frankie de Jong all summer and Memphis Depay. Both have flown to London. Not for Donny van der wedding. Why are they flying to London? Odd. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, a new name. We haven't talked about Victor Osserman before, Rob, I don't think, on this show. But George Mendes is trying to shop Cristiano Ronaldo to the entire world uh, before the transfer deadline closes. And Napoli, there's some weird talk out there at the moment about uh, some swap deal and Man United paying all of Ronaldo's wages and buying Osserman. That's not going to happen. But we'll talk about Victor Osserman himself. He, I think he moved to Napoli for like 70 million quid like two years ago. So he's going to be an expensive buy. I don't think United have really got that kind of cash burning in their pocket. But you never know. Crazy things have happened Uh, We'll talk Aaron Wan-Bissaka. We'll talk any more transfer business potentially coming in or out. And like I said, we'll talk about Southampton and Leicester as well. Uh, The the defense actually quite impressed me the other day, Rob. I don't know whether you want to touch on that a bit later on, but subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays too. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, join the community, leave a comment, and subscribe. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And follow us on Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at promise mu Rob, let's start at the top, because we're expecting... We're recording this Tuesday morning, so we might even, by the time this is released, have Anthony confirmed as a Man United player. Over the weekend, uh, or last Friday, he he forced Ajax's hand basically with a, with an interview and some comments he released. And that has now (coughs) helped convince Ajax to play ball. They've agreed a deal with Man United worth hundred million euros. I think it's 95 million euros plus five in add-ons. It's a hell of a lot of money. We talked about that the other day, whether he's worth it or not, but your initial reaction, because we've seen him turn up at Carrington on Sunday, on Monday night as well. And, there's been some leaked CCTV footage of him turning up at the reception area, which is a little bit weird, but we're expecting that this will be confirmed on Tuesday at some point. And if it has been confirmed already, you know, it's literally, (laughs) we're recording this Tuesday morning. Like I say, it could be confirmed by 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that. So what's your initial reaction to this, Rob? Because as much as it
3: is a hell of a lot of money, I quite like this signing. Mm -hmm. Do you? I really like the signing. Like, it's quite funny, isn't it, with Anthony and really with United's window in general is that we did say months and months ago this was the player that Man United wanted. This was the number one target. So even when there was a lot of noise around De Jong, it still continues to be noise around De Jong. It was, it was Anthony that they really wanted. They want He was going to be the star replacement for Ronaldo. That was their way it was going to be. Now, of course, they don't work position for position, We know what Anthony does, we know what Cristiano does. But this was Man United looking towards the future. Uh, A player they could bring in now, that could have impact, that knows the manager, that the manager loves. He's one of his boys like Martinez's, it's the same vibe. But I like the signing, yes. Why? Because I think that this is a player that you can get your teeth into, that you can make better amongst a function of players in their lower 20s, mid-20s building around more experienced players like Casemiro. So <laughs> this suddenly, this is, a, this is the fragile thing about transfer windows. This is starting to look like a good window for Man United. So United fans have been disaffected now for weeks and months. We've sat on here and said, how dare they do this? And why have they not done that? And they should be spending money and they should be blah, 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 blah. But the structure looks really good. And I do think with Anthony with the World Cup year coming, that there's a big motivation for him to come to Old Trafford and to show what he can do. Because there still is some doubt about him. Like, let's be honest, it's a big fee. And I think two or three years ago, this fee doesn't happen, nowhere near. He is more like a £50 million footballer rather than an 80 or 90 or £100 million footballer. So he's got to prove it now. And I think that, that Ten Hag will be really pleased to get another player through the door that can help him play Ten Hag football which is, of course, the problem with the existing squad. I do like the fact that I've liked Anthony for a while. I
2: mean, even when he was playing in Brazil, he had a big fuss over him. He joined Ajax. I think it was for yeah. twenty odd million or something like that. I can't remember exactly the number, but you know, when I when I saw at the time that he joined Ajax, I was like, oh, he's going to move for a lot of money in a few years' time, and <laughs> that's <we> exactly <laughs> how it's turning out. It just so happens to be that it's Man United who are paying the money. Yeah. Um. I mean. I look at the the business that United have done, and I, I do agree with you, Rob. I think that it's actually turning into a good transfer window. If you if you strip away all of the context of they spent three months, four months trying to sign Frankie de Jong and still haven't, and they've spent massively overspent on Casemiro, Anthony, and Lisandra Martinez, probably, you know, they probably overspent on them. But when you strip it away and then look at the not the first choice 11, but the, the, the 11 you'd, you'd expect Ten Hag to turn to if everyone was fit. It's a lot more balanced than it's ever been. In terms of having a left-footed centre-half, left centre-back, that's what Ten Hag wants in and Lissandra Martinez. Having a solid left-back in Malasia, you've got a defensive midfield presence, which United haven't had for five years, in Casemiro. You've got Christian Eriksen, a ball player. I still think they need more in there, but you've got, and then you've got somebody on the left hand, or on the right hand side, who's left footed, offers mm-hmm. that kind of balance for a fullback to overlap. And they still have a few problem positions in, I think, next summer. If they look at a goalkeeper, a right back, a center mid, and a striker, I don't think they're too far away from, you know, having a team which they can really start to progress with. I agree with you. I think it's they've had a decent transfer window. But yeah, the, the the money and the the pressure that's going to come with it for Anthony, I just hope that Ten Hag can maximise his potential. And I know his goal numbers and his assist numbers aren't exactly amazing for someone who's coming from the Eredivisie. But United fans need to have a bit of patience with him, don't they?
3: Of course they do. And I think whenever there's a transfer fee mooted now, a Manchester United's name are put to it, it's going to go up isn't it? it's going to be a silly figure but this has been like this for the start of time when Man United bought Rio Ferdinand from Leeds United for 30 million which was a world record for a defender at that time that was massively overpriced you know hugely and that was a long time ago and Man United were desperate for a centre-back and they went and paid the money for Rio and that kind of worked out all right didn't it Same with Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney got offered a a deal by Newcastle, huge deal. Man United needed to step in. They paid a ridiculous price for who was literally a young boy from Everton. So sometimes you do just have to do the deal because of your needs and the development side of it. And I think for me, that's where that's the bit with Anthony I like the most is that you're not getting the finished article, but you're getting someone that's worked really well with this manager in the past already. They know each other. There is a connection there. And it allows you to do technical and tactical things differently on a football pitch that Man United have done in recent years. So we bought a right-sided forward not so long ago in Jaden Sancho for a lot of money. And now we've gone to bought another right-sided forward for a lot of money. But we do know that the flexibility in that front line will allow Ten Hag now to play a different style. That wasn't there only a few weeks ago when we went into, into pre-season There were still a lot of these questions about gaps. Where are your gaps? And you're right. We still do new players that can pass the that This is why the De Jong thing will burn until the transfer deadline day, till the minute, especially when he's in the UK. That's going to be there in everyone's mind. And United might still be active, but they've spent, what, £225 now around that amount mark uh, in this window. That's not a small amount of money. And I think that Ten Hag himself will feel pretty pleased with bringing in Around what five six players that he can use now, whilst also leaving letting twelve go, because I think that's the other side of this is making sure you balance the books. I was thinking last night, Scott, seeing a seeing Cavani sign and going to La Liga. I was thinking, I wonder if they could have got another year out of Cavani now. You know, could have actually yeah. let could have let Ronaldo go, yeah, and said, "It's all right, Cristiano, if you want to go, bye mate, thanks a lot, give us the number seven back before you go, put it off his back." Giving it to Jaden and then saying to uh, someone like Cavani, "Well, give it another another year, mate, and give it another year, and we'll we'll pay your wages, and you might be able to score some goals for some play some more minutes." The reason why he left was because of Ronaldo. So you know you're in a, a silly situation, isn't it? But this is where Man United are, and they are still looking for a centre forward. We'll talk about that. It's it's later in the agenda
2: because uh, actually something that we we spoke about Rob off uh, before we started. Uh, it's just come up on my Twitter timeline as a proposal, yeah. potential proposal, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, what one thing I will say now is you you can probably look at, and especially after the Southampton game, you can probably look at the team now and think most of those positions pick themselves, especially after the Anthony and the Casemiro sign is when everybody is fit. So you have like mm. a an 11 there, maybe barring left back. not even left back, maybe barring the centre forward position a team that picks itself when everyone is fit and that's the kind of team that Ten Hag will be looking to rely on and obviously they do still have problem positions to address later in the future because I I went to that Southampton game the other day and United didn't really have any control throughout unless it was the first 15 minutes after after half time, when they actually scored. But Southampton really pin, pinned them back. He didn't have any real answer control. So they do lack that bit of midfield. Maybe they'll address it before the window closes or maybe this Frankie de saga will continue on and on. He didn't start for Barcelona the other day. <laughs> came on for 30 minutes. Can you imagine now if he stays and he doesn't get his first team position through January? What if he doesn't play and then Louis van Gaal goes, oh, well, you're not playing football. You're not coming to the World Cup. What happens then? I'm sure that won't happen, but, (laughs) you know, uh, he said that to Jurian Timber. I'm sure we'll be back in for him at some point as well. Uh, But yeah, it's positive in a sense. United have come off the back of two wins. They play Leicester on Thursday night and then Arsenal at the weekend should be a good game. Hopefully, United can go into that with another win behind them. But obviously... Goalkeeper will be an issue that needs to be solved uh, at some point. David De Gea has a year left on his contract with an option, but we kind of know the mistakes that De Gea has made already this summer. They have signed a backup for him, though, or are going to sign a backup for him before the transfer window closes. Martin Dubravka on loan with an option to buy or an obligation, depending on how many games he plays, as we understand it. He's not going to be first choice, though, is he?
3: No chance. No chance. He wasn't first choice at Newcastle. He's not going to be first choice at Man United. It's purely uh, to have an experienced goalkeeper in your ranks that, you know, is box fresh ready that you can get out there if De Gea gets injured. Because that's always, a, that always on the table, isn't it? Your goalkeeper if he's your primary number one. You've got to have someone that can come in long term just in case. That's why Man United had Dean Henson around last year rather than let him go out on loan which probably would have been the better choice at, in hindsight. Uh, but Dubravka, decent goalkeeper, 33 years old, very experienced, um, better on the deck than De Gea. But I don't think those things particularly matter. It's more of a case of just having someone week to week on your bench that can help you if you get into some kind of problem. Hmm.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, let's. You know, We're expecting to see Dubravka coming in. On loan, probably, probably, might even be today, today or tomorrow. United I think, de,
3: I think, de, yeah, Debravka and Anthony are going to get done today. I think, I think, United yeah. want to want to get those two, two absolutely uh, finished today, medicals and you know presented to the press and whatnot. And uh, of course, the it's one of those things. Debravka is going to kind of, I think, just scoot in under the radar because Anthony is going to take all the limelight. That's probably how it should be. Can I just go
2: back to Anthony? I didn't actually mm. miss the question that I wanted to ask you. What do you make of how he
3: forced his way out of Ajax? I'm totally all right with it. Can okay he with do that to Man United in four years' time? If he does, then I'm totally all right with it. I, I think the thing is, again, this is this is how yeah, how fans react to stuff, isn't it? And how fans react to football and the business. And, and this is what we've said about the transfer window as well, is that fans get in a favour and, and get hyped up about the players they want and when they don't get the players it's a disaster and they believe nothing's happening in the background there's no business going on it doesn't work like that at all Anthony said from day one to Ajax I'm leaving he said it from day one and they went no you're not now that's normal that's a normal situation and then it's a bit of pull and push isn't it so Timber said that he might like to go he talked to Ajax and then he stayed signed a new deal how it works. So Anthony, in the earliest parts there, wanted to go to the Premier League because it's a World Cup year and his favourite boss in the world is at Man United. So it was just a case of can you construct a deal around that? the premise of that. I've got no problems with players saying, I don't want to play for you anymore. If a player doesn't want to play for you anymore, hence Cristiano, yeah, says I don't want to be at Man United anymore, I'm not going to get mortally offended. It's a job. Go and do your job somewhere else then. Just just go quietly, you know. We'll help you, but but you know, I, I think this is where the emotions maybe spill over. Ajax fans are not sat there today going, oh no, we'll never see Ansi play again. They understand at their football club that this is just how it is. You sell players and you buy new players. You buy your stars, create your next your next set of uh, superstars. I think at Man United because we are such a Disney world type football club and it's a reality TV show. It then becomes something much bigger, doesn't it? Oh, he forced his way out. He must be a terrible person. No, he just wants to play for Man United. So like, okay, we're paying him a lot of money. He's going to be on a big wage. Now the proof's in the pudding, Scott. Come to you, come to the Premier League. Prove that you're worthy of all of this attention and this big transfer fee. Doesn't
2: seem like those signings will be ready for the Leicester game, but Anthony needs a work permit, this kind of thing. So fingers crossed. He'll play against Arsenal, probably from the bench, I would imagine. Casemiro might be in starting then. Uh, But let's move on to some other potential arrivals. Rob, I don't know where you stand on whether you're expecting any more. Um, But let's talk Frankie de Jong and Memphis Depay deciding to fly Mm. to London uh, on Monday. Now, (laughs) both have been linked with United... Consistently, Memphis perhaps not so consistently, but more frequently in the last couple of weeks. And I, I called it at the start of the summer that he'd be eventually a Man United target, which is the case. What can we read into this then? Because they were meant to be going to Donny van der Beek's wedding, which was a lie. Um, why would you get married in London when you're Dutch and in between two games in about four days, five days? It doesn't really make any sense. Why are they here then?
0: Hmm.
3: Why are they here? Um, Supposedly on holiday. But who goes on holiday to London from Barcelona when you don't need to because you've got two or three days off? Funny how they've got days off around a transfer window ending, isn't it? Um, Well, look, they're here in the UK for potential medicals, if not that they've had medicals already with potential football clubs. That does not mean that transfers are going to get done. That just means you can speed it all up. So a medical is not a deep thing. You go to a private hospital somewhere in the UK. It might not even be in London. You're just flying into London and you get seen and you get done and you get boxes ticked and insurers are happy and you can progress deals much, much quicker. And I think maybe this is where football clubs are getting smarter, Scott, is that the old days of, a, of someone driving up the motorway with three hours to go to try and get a medical done over the line so they could sign someone. I think clubs are pushed away from that a little bit more because they want to know what they're buying, don't they? So will these two players move, leave Barcelona? What we understand at the moment is that Frankie de Jong will probably still be at Barcelona after the end of this transfer window, which in itself is kind of perverse. Hmm. But he's in the UK for a reason. He's not in the UK for Donny van der Beek's make-believe wedding that Man United would never authorise in a million years. You know, that was not happening in the middle of a season. And Donny van der Beek, as you said, they would get married probably in Amsterdam, not in London or Manchester. Um, But again, Van der Beek, with De Jong, very public, getting on a plane, showing himself to the world. You've got to realise he's superstar footballer, Scott. When they get on planes, you don't normally see them. It's normally done in a way that no one sees them. They get on planes and they travel around the world and they do it so they do it concealed. De Jong pushing his bags into Mm -hmm. an entrance with a kind of wry smile on his face. It's all done deliberately. There's a deliberacy around it. So where will he go? Who knows? Manchester United have still got money. You know, people say about United have not got money. Oh, they've run out now. They've spent 225 million. I think it's been proven that no one knows what Man United are going to spend. No one knows. No journalist, no fan channel. No one knows because if you need it and you, you can make it happen, you make it happen. So that's where they are with De Jong. They want this player. If they can make it happen, they will. And if they can't make it happen, then he'll probably stay uh, there, or he'll or he'll go to Chelsea. He might even go to Bayern Munich. Probably not Bayern Munich now, but Man United are definitely still on the table. Let's wait and see. Odd one to be fair. I mean, they could quite easily have avoided all of the circus around this by not going to London, but. Yeah. But they've done it deliberately. Like if they've done it in a, in a very public way. And I actually think that that's a bit of a slant at Barcelona. So it's a bit like, all right, these are our options. This is where we'd have to be. We're going to London. That's, that's kind of normal course of action in the transfer window. It's just that the high-profile nature of the De Jong deal means that wherever he steps foot, people are going to look and take note, isn't it? You know, he's only got to like something on Instagram And people are writing stories about him. People think, you know, he likes Casemiro going to Man United. We talked about that ourselves. But there is some truth in that. It's all kind of, it's like a poker game, isn't it? Like, who's got the best hand? So I think De Jong is playing that game with Barcelona himself at the moment because Barcelona want him gone. They still want him gone. But they would also renegotiate his contract if he's willing to play for peanuts. So, we say peanuts. Which has been ruled out again, (laughs) him him playing for less money. It's been ruled out again, but the Spanish side of the story are still pushing that. They're still saying if De Jong stays, he will only stay if he renegotiates his contract to maybe a level of uh, a mid-level Leicester City player in the Premier League. That's the kind of wages they're talking about. So that's probably not going to happen. But I think this is also why he is in London and in the UK, because if he goes anywhere, it will be to one of those two football clubs that play in the Premier League and it makes sense to be in the UK and i think that's probably on the advice of his of his agents because you can go on a private jet and fly to manchester or fly to london from from barcelona but it's a whole lot easier isn't it if you're already there see he's take, his take his girlfriend or his wife is with him you know so that's another thing like that doesn't normally happen on just little football excursions there's there's other things going on there uh, but I I said it early in the window. I'm going to say it again. Frankie de Jong will probably get done wherever he goes on transfer deadline day because that's the nature of this deal. However Man
2: United managed to do it, if they managed to do it, we'll see. I mean, yeah, they've spent a lot of money, £225 you mentioned there, Rob. But like, you know, we've said this for the entire summer. They they wanted Frankie de Jong so much and there is still a Frankie de Jong-sized hole in the United midfield. But if he became available,
3: I I just think United would try and do it, you know, whichever they way would, they could. I, th- I think they are trying to do it. Like we say, oh, they might try and like, like, like this is a future tense thing. They are trying to still do that deal. And I think the whole thing is that Man United know that they get Frankie De Jong on transfer deadline day. They win the transfer window. That's it. And they love it. They love it at Man United. They, it's a bit weird because you kind of think, well, why would you want to do that? But Man United is a commercial business love these games they love winning the transfer window so you get Frankie de Jong on the last moment can you imagine how smug they'd all be at United you know in the boardroom like oh look everyone's we've got protests going on and people saying that these owners should leave and all this but look what we just did because we're Man United and we're not even in the Champions League so there's still that at play um, and, and Memphis as well like United are looking for a number nine so It'd be, it wouldn't be too strange if he ends up at Manchester United. We know that United inquired about him a few weeks ago. So if he's a free transfer, what do you reckon, mm. Scott? You called it. You called it. You said earlier on it's, it's the type of deal that they'd like to do. And We knew that they'd inquired. So a free transfer for a player like Memphis Depay again in a World Cup year. He needs to play games at high level. You need a number nine. You've just bought Anthony on the outside. These things do add up. Yeah. United uh, <laughs> you know, are looking for a flexible forward.
2: And we are, you know, obviously there's not a lot of time left yet. We are talking in a little bit of, not fantasy land, but just thinking, you know, a lot would have to fall into place for a deal like that to come off. And that's a lovely little tie-in to the next section. Victor Osman. Uh, now, Plays for Napoli, highly rated forward, 23 years old, about a one in two record for Napoli since joining from Lille for about 70 million quid mm. two years ago, which at the time was, wow, that's a lot of money, especially for Napoli and especially for an Italian team. You know, <laughs> George Mendes is trying to find Cristiano Ronaldo a way out. And these two stories are interlinked. So <laughs> in my notes, I've written awesome and Ronaldo swap nonsense because there was a point a few days ago where George Mendes had suggested to Napoli, according to reports from Italy, that Man United would pay 85% to 100% of Ronaldo's salary, send him to Napoli, and buy Victor Osman for €100 million or €120 million. Euros. And I was like, what world are you living in? That is absolutely, absolutely not going to happen. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, at the start, uh, something has popped up on my timeline suggesting that George Mendes is now suggesting loan swap. Now, we talked about this, Rob, before we started recording. I mean, I, I do still think this is in kind of fantasy land for what uh, United are maybe capable of in this window, but potentially Ronaldo really wants a way out. I think Eric Ten Hag in his press conference, I was there the other day, he was asked outright, will Ronaldo stay? We hope so, he said. And then it was put to him, surely it's your decision. Well, I hope I hope he stays with a little delay, and he's not confirming that he wants to keep him. I think we both know, Rob, that United would prefer he goes. Ronaldo wants to go. He's going to be third choice striker. (laughs) You know, he's going to be third choice striker after Rashford and Martial probably at the moment. Uh, And he just looked at Southampton. You know, there was that one one moment where he tried to out sprint a Southampton centre back and got you know just lost his legs like he was going to fall over. And it looked a bit sad. Uh, you know, age gets us all, doesn't it? But Victor Osman Ronaldo swap. Rob, what's your thoughts on this? Because I would absolutely love Victor Osman at, in, at United. I would absolutely love it. But I don't see a way that it happens. Is this loan swap a potential
3: goer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And funnily enough, because... This is what we always say about football being, you know, sometimes stranger than fiction, isn't it? Because th- 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 it's it's about wants and needs. So where do we stand with Cristiano? Where do we stand with him? We know where we stand with him. He wants to go. He's wanted to go for a long time. And Man United have had have spent enough time looking at what Ronaldo does in this project already, with the manager knowing that this player cannot run for you. So like as you just said there, I'm glad you brought up that little bit because it reminded me of like a a kind of giraffe in the Serengeti running away from the Lions, you know, and not being able to do it as its legs fail and it falls over. I think Cristiano would like to be able to do those things. Like, I think he'd like to be able to say, you know, stick two fingers up to the world and go, look at me, I'm still me. But he's not him. He's not. It's over. You cannot play in a pressing system. And we've already seen in this very small sample size, haven't we, the Premier League, that Man United, if they don't press effectively in the first two games, they lose. If you press effectively against a team like Liverpool, you win. And then you work hard against Southampton, who are one of the most best uh, energetic teams in Europe. And you get the victory because you stick to your fundamentals and your principles, even though you didn't play that well. So this tells you, this is not Cristiano steps back in the team in the next game and you start playing Cristiano ball again. It does not happen. So can this deal happen? It can happen because there's no doubt that Ronaldo wants out. And you've got to let him go now. I think that this is the thing. There's a lot of people on Twitter and socials and whatever shouting and screaming on YouTube about how you've got to keep Cristiano that he's a serial winner and all of this. Do not keep players that don't want to play for you. Stick
1: to that. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
0: so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it
3: done. At Fundamental, he doesn't want to play for us. Let him go. Take the shirt off his back, and take more importantly scott the half a million quid he takes from us of wages every week and go give it to someone else give it to someone else who wants to play for you so Osman, i'm with you totally he's a really really good center forward that would fit between a sancho and an anthony like a glove that's an exciting yeah.
2: wing pairing by the way i didn't say that earlier Tw- exactly. oh, 22 yeah.
3: so you know We don't always want to talk blue sky football, but the whole point of this is it's about building something. And this is not about the next game. And this is not about the games in a month or two or three. This is really for the next year and beyond. So how are you doing this project? What are you doing? Well, Cristiano can't be part of that first and foremost, whether he stays or goes, doesn't matter. He can't be part of that long-term. So you've got to bring in someone that can be And man. United do understand that they need a center forward because Martial does get injured. We're seeing that. I think Martial will play lots of games this year. And I think Rashford looks fitter. He'll probably play through the centre and kind of dovetail left and centre. And Sancho, I think, will swap backwards and forwards, Mm -hmm. left and right, and we'll see that flexibility. But to have that flexibility now, you need a centre-forward to at least have that to build around. And I think this is why... There's no kind of depth in the deal with Osman at the moment. You know, it's not something that Man United have massively explored. But if they could make the money work and say tomorrow, Frankie Dion just joins Chelsea, yeah, say so Frankie Dion today, as we're talking, is uh, at Cobham having a medical, yeah, and that's happening. And Man United still think we need to win this transfer window and we've got this money, it's ready. Oh, no, this forward suits what we want to do. Do not be surprised on transfer deadline day if they do that deal. Because I think Ronaldo will probably leave simply because of his desire to go and that Man United want that wage back. And they should do. They should be like, We don't want to keep you, mate, to sell shirts. You know, you're not going to help us win football matches this year in the same way you didn't help us win football matches last year. So let's all move on. I said to you, didn't I, Scott, off off camera, you know, this could have been one where you kept Cavani for another year. Cavani would have fitted this perfectly if you'd kept him for another year and said, all right, Ronaldo, take your wage, take your shirt, and off you go. And Cavani, you know, you can play once every three or four games and off the bench and be the energy player up top. How good would Cavani have been? between Sancho and uh, Anthony in a 4-3-3. It'd have been brilliant. So, yeah, would have you been, yeah. so you've made a bad football choice, again, for the wrong reasons. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that too in depth because Cavani's gone somewhere else and Ronaldo will go somewhere else. But Man United need to kind of keep this project on track now. I like what we're seeing in the formation. The 4-3-3 works really well. I think Anthony fits that. I think you need a centre-forward that fits that. And you need a De like player to help Casemiro in the centre of the pitch means you're a lot closer though, Scott, isn't it? A lot closer than you were the day Eric Ten Hag started. You've gone and got some significant business done. Yeah, just um, on Ronaldo, before we move on, you mentioned there
2: that you expect him to go. How do you pick one way, most likely way? What do you expect to happen there? Is it a mutual termination? We saw Ross Barkley's contract at Chelsea terminated mutually on Monday. I'm not comparing Ronaldo to Ross Barkley, but you know that didn't work out, did it? And it's looking, at the moment, as though Ronaldo wants to go. Uh, as as much as I'd like to see Victor Rossum and I, I'd make it massively unlikely unless George Mendes is an actual magician. He's pulled off some stuff before. He is. He's he an is an a magician, magician, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what are you expecting? What, do you think United would even go to the lengths of canceling
3: Ronaldo's contract? Okay, the issue legally when you cancel contracts is generally with bonuses and one thing or another, it's very hard to cancel a contract, because you're normally liable as a football club. So players, even players like tend to like to move within the normal function of transfers, because they want to get their signing on fee, they want to get all those those things done. This is a bit more of a unique situation where Cristiano will probably almost definitely waiver everything. He's not going to say to Man United, oh, well, you cancelled my deal. So therefore, therefore, no, I think this will be your your general kind of mutual cancellation of a contract because Man United do not want to pay him any more money and he wants to go somewhere else. So I think that's the most likely outcome. I think that's already been negotiated. I think it's just a case of can you find the club to go? Are you going to be happy? Which will allow us to be happy and then we can go and do some other business because we want that money back from you. And that's really what it is. With Ronaldo's deal, there is a lot of weird add-ons in there that that would have to be negotiated and have been being talked about behind the scenes for a long time. So let's see what happens with Cristiano. But I think it's got to be a free transfer. It's got to be a, a kind of a mutual agreement between the club and the player that will then allow his next club to pay him the overinflated huge wage that he will want for the next year or two, because that's the truth, isn't it? If he goes to Napoli, Napoli are going to have to like mortgage the house to keep Cristiano happy because, you know, can you then win with him? Well, yeah, you can, because they'll sell a billion Napoli shirts uh, in Naples and he'll be a kind of Maradona type figure there, won't he? he? You know, like he will be, he'll be viewed as a kind of, uh, you know, demigod. He is at United, but I think at United, there's some more realism around it as well with some of the fan base. Um, but yeah, going to back to Italy, it's an option for him. And let's see what happens. I think that I think he'd like that option. But it's up to his agent to do all the spin that's already happening behind the scenes, but to get it over the line and allowing everyone to kind of shake hands and have a hug and say goodbye.
2: Let's uh, let's wrap up the transfer section. I don't know whether there's any more transfer business you want to talk about, but I do want to bring up Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Yeah. Uh, he has been signed for fifty million quid three years mm-hmm. ago, I think it was. Uh, good defender, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know he's lost his place under Ten Hag, mm-hmm. Yogo Dalo. His attacking output has obviously been put under scrutiny. Uh, for the last year, maybe 18 months, two years. You know, United have uh, had interest in him from former club, former club Crystal Palace. And I know that I was under the impression that probably Crystal Palace would end up bringing him back on loan. Uh, West Ham, some interest there as well. But United apparently have uh, said no to the interest that's come in from them. And we're also seeing news from Spain, uh, going back to Barcelona, of potential swap deals between Wan Bissaka and Serginio Dest, which is a little bit wild and Wan Bissaka to Barcelona. But what how do you make a, what do you make of this, Rob? I mean, I was expecting him to go, but if United can't get a replacement for him, they don't they would only have Diogo Dallo there. So yeah, you know, do you think they'll be able to find a replacement in time or is Wan
3: Bissaka gonna stay? I think Wan-Bissaka is going to stay. Uh, United did inquire about deaths, which I think is why that's been put together in Spain. Two and two to make, you know, 37. Like, um, no. Uh, But I think with with Wan-Bissaka, the jury's still kind of out because as bad as he was last season, and he was never a £50 million footballer, we knew this when he came, it was all again about potential, wasn't it? About what can you do to develop players And I think that that Man United are not as low on him as maybe, say, the fan base is. So the fan base is kind of done. We want another right back. But you're at the end of the transfer window now. Your options are really limited. You've decided that Ethan Laird is to go somewhere else. So they've done that already. That's that loan. Are you going to just loan Wambasaka out? He's not a problem for wages, Scott. Like this is not, he's not a player on extortionate wages where you think, well, we can't keep him in the squad just in case. So why would you let him go on loan to Crystal Palace and help Crystal Palace? I don't know. What we're hearing is that, that wan will probably stay. So he will stay to add competition. He'll be more of a defensive entity, of course, than than deloe what he does. But there will be an expectation to play the kind of football that Ten Hag will play. And I think that Wambasaka and Anthony is a pretty good fit just for what they do. When you look at their metrics, they could help each other. Do, will Wambasaka be a marauding, overlapping fullback? No. But we did see last year that he can do it. I think he got more assists than DeLow doing that last year, which is kind of the strange bit about the whole story about people wanting Delo to be the starter. That was good, didn't it? Delo got the assist for Bruno in the Southampton game. So that was really good. That kind of that, that was one big plus point of seeing your full back go wide in a kind of movement and get the ball to your number 10, coming late into the box to finish and put it in the bottom corner. Now that is training ground. That's been practiced over and over again. And then you've done it in a real match. Great. But until Man United buy a new right back, I think Aaron Aaron Wamersak will remain at Manchester United.
2: Can I just pick you that, up and we? That just means said? he's
3: gone now. Probably he's probably on his packing his bags on a plane to Crystal Palace as we speak.
2: <laughs> uh, and what you just said there about training ground, something coming off on the, from the training mm. ground onto the pitch. How many times can you say that we've seen that out at Man United in the last few years?
3: And we've always said, haven't we? Like when we watch them play, we are like what do they do on the training pitch? What kind of what? Uh, what's the style? What is Ole trying to get through to the players in terms of their form and function? Because that goal was all about Man United just opening up an uh, an opponent really quickly without a lot of fuss, full-back, bombing on, getting the ball and playing the right ball into the box, which was to the edge of the area, not just whizzing it across or doing what I call like an Antonio Valencia, where you just literally smash it across and, you know, <laughs> pray that someone gets hold of it or Wayne Rooney manages to tap it in. That Those days have gone. But the modern fullback is is a progressive. So you've got to get that ball from them to the other progressive on the pitch is number, the number 10. So you can make that happen. Rashford and Alanger were big parts of that by making the runs that mm-hmm. were all designed on a training pitch. Yeah. So fans might not always catch that in the first instance, but that was the thing for me. I looked at it and went, That's great, because that's a training ground move. And it came off and you've won the game because of it. And there's nothing more you can sell to players than that, Scott. And you come and sit in the dressing room afterwards and say, I taught you that and you did it and we won. And players will be like little dogs, like, yeah, boss, brilliant. We'll do it again next week. So that was a great start. And I think that was good for Delo. He needed that. And I think Aaron Wambasaka might look at that and think, well, I probably could get the ball there and play it to someone on the edge of the box. I'm not that bad. You know, it was not that long ago. People were saying that I was the next best fullback in the country behind uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. That was only two or three years ago. So I think the boy's got a chance at Man United. And I hope he does. I hope if he does get an opportunity that he proves a lot of people wrong
2: yeah, you could tell from I know Dallow uh, obviously was celebrating a goal, but it just looked like a kind of the way he celebrated just looked like a kind of relief or, like, oh, yeah. and I've been doing that for ages and it
3: hasn't worked. Like and some,
2: yeah, some kind of achievement. Uh, yeah.
3: it did I, I completely
2: agree with you. It looked like it was practiced, and it finally come off because it. United haven't really had too much of that. But let's let's talk more about uh, Southampton. I'm guessing any other transfer business you want to touch on before we continue on? No, not really. I think all we've right. kind of done all yeah. the big things there, haven't we? Well, there, there you have it. That's our um, transfer window analysis. We will not be talking any more transfers until it closes. Uh, we'll be back on Friday morning to pick it apart. Maybe United will sign Memphis and de Jong or Osserman and de Jong before the transfer window closes or all of them or, or, or none every them. single player in the world <laughs> uh we'll see or maybe they'll sign nobody which looks uh, well apart from Anthony and Martin Dubravka looks more likely at the moment but yes Rob uh so positives on Southampton I'm guessing you caught the game uh you know I weren't great but there were some encouraging signs I mean it looks like I've written a case for the defense now Lisandra Martinez and Malasia. I keep saying Malasia. Malasia. Um, it's my left. fault. I because I, I, I called him Malasia from day one. It's getting
3: bright here now. I can't even see because it's got the sun in my eyes. But go for it. Uh, the the pair of them looking pretty good.
2: Dallow, we've just talked about and Rafa Varane as well at right centre back yeah. has really started to show his experience. And Southampton had a few chances the other day, but they didn't really look in much danger of conceding. You know, uh, and that's a good foundation to build off. We've obviously talked about Casemiro and Anthony and the kind of shape of the team further ahead, but some encouraging signs, even though United didn't end up dominating the game and they just about won it thanks to Bruno's goal.
3: Yeah, and, and I think that what I liked about it is winning scrappy one nils is what gets you up the table. Like everyone wants to see beautiful football, constructed football, artistic football. But the truth is, you win more scrappy games than those over a season, and it's they're the ones that you win or lose. So, Man United only a few months ago would have lost this game. There's no doubt about it. They've gone to Southampton. Southampton would have overpowered them in terms of work rate, and Man United would have cried into their soup, and that would have been that. And Ronaldo would have stood there, hands on hips, and all you know the same rubbish that we've seen over and over and over and over again. But what we did see is that they had a game plan, they stuck to it, and it paid dividends. is okay, Scott, every week. Like if you win 1-0 every week, you win a title. That's how it works. You know, you get three points. It's all about getting three points. So I think that this manager understands that. And I think he also understands that that is going to be the pressure here, that as he builds his squad and builds his team, implements tactics, implements style, implements philosophy, you've still got to keep winning somehow. So winning 1-0 at Southampton is absolutely fine. It was a really good goal. You know, I think that's the other takeaway is that you think, yeah, we can do a little bit more than that. Uh, but I think also when you think that if you put Casemiro in there and just give yourself a little bit more solidity in the middle of the midfield, that if you don't get Frankie de Jong, and you're probably not going to, then you've still got a piece in there that control football, can help you control football matches and allow the other attacking players to go and do their thing. And this is where Anthony will be very useful as well. That If you've got just a, a stronger midfield hub of a four, if you're playing 4 through 3 let's say for instance that you play Ericsson a bit deeper for the season. And that's not what I want to see Christian Ericsson do, but that might be what happens. He is still the guy that can pass that ball out from the centre circle or that half of the pitch and play you quickly in to someone like Anthony to go one-on-one. Because that's how they're going to play Man United. It's going to be counter-press, counter-press, counter-press if they can do it. They're going to have to learn to keep the ball. And I think that's what we saw against Southampton is that's still not there. Yeah, it wasn't there at all, was it? Until you buy a midfielder that can really do that for you, uh, you're going to have to maybe rely on Varane and Martinez to step out of the pocket with the ball because they're probably better than McTominay and Fred at doing those things anyway. And then you've got now two players experienced in Ericsson and Casemiro to give you those extra pieces in the middle that you've you've not had for a long time. I know people talk about Matic. But Matic has not done that for me for a long time. You know, he had that at Chelsea. He had that in year one at Man United, but he tailed off so badly. And, you know, you could have kept a Paul Pogba or someone like that and had other options in there. But you're going this direction. You're going to have to buy a central midfielder either at the very end of this window or maybe in the next one.
2: Yeah, I mean, Casemiro had a cameo role, uh, came in, made a couple of important blocks, tackles. There was one moment which I don't think many people picked up because I was there and there was he picked up the ball at the base of the midfield and fired a vertical pass between Southampton's midfield into, I think it was Bruno Fernandes, who controlled it like that. And United were kind of in. Uh, I can't yeah. remember exactly when it was, but
3: I, I just looked at Casemiro and I was like, players can do that? <laughs> he can do that. And do you know the, the thing about Casemiro? And again, it's not talked about, and I don't know why. When you look at his metrics... He's actually a decent pool, ball progressor. So when the ball's at his feet, he doesn't always turn or go back or just play safe. He will play out. And he, he's played Real Madrid all this year. Like, he's been told to do that. It's in his DNA. He's a Brazilian. you know, So he's going to play those balls more often than not, I think. And they're not a risk ball, are they either? It's not that ball where a manager says... Well, if you play that ball, we could see the goal because it's a silly ball to play. I think you'll see him carry the ball out a lot more than than we ever realised because he's got that in his game. And I think he'll also enjoy being that guy. I think he'll be like, I want to show I can do other stuff. But I'll also still do my defensive work. That's my job. But I'm going to link up here with the woods and that will allow him and Ericsson to dovetail a bit, allow Ericsson to go sometimes, Casemiro to sit. And it will allow Casemiro to sometimes go. And it will mean that one of those guys, either like Ericsson or Bruno, will have to just sit and be a little bit more patient. But I think we'll see some of that that kind of progressive football this season because the manager wants it and desires it. And that's what they're training towards.
2: Do you think Christian Ericsson's going to end up playing a bit more than he was anticipating if United don't sign a midfielder? Because I kind of looked at him and thought, he'll play 60 here, 30 there, not 90, 90. I think he played
3: at 89 minutes the other day. Christian Eriksen decided to come to Man United because the manager told him that he would be a starter pretty much every week. So that's that. So I think that this is the plan, but the plan wasn't for him to play as a deep-line midfielder. So he's going to start most weeks, I think, but not doing the things that maybe he thought. So I think the idea was, like you never talked about the 4-3-3. I still think that we'll see times where Eriksen or Bruno, but mainly Bruno, will play a false nine. So if you don't go and buy a striker, that's one of your big options on the table. Now that allows Ericsson to still be a bit more progressive, either to play as a 10 or to play higher up the pitch. So I think they're going to rely on Ericsson to be that smart midfielder. So there's going to be times where I say to him, right, you're going to need to sit back a little bit with Casemiro, play some ball retention. And don't you dare lose it, because that's the problem with United over the years is that they try and play ball retention. They look awful. But then the other side of this, guy is that he takes free kicks. He's part of set pieces. He's a, he's a player that likes to play in the final third. He was the one in Southampton. He had the, one of the best chances in the game, didn't he? And that was really coming from the number six position. So he had a really good opportunity to score. And, and obviously it was when the ball was pinging around and he made a late third man run. That's him playing as the six. Yeah, playing as the six, eight. So I think that, that Ten Hag sees this season as being Ericsson heavy, that he can do a lot of things of Ericsson and that Ericsson will, will be a kind of bona fide starter. I, I you said there that you thought that he might be more of a sub. I don't think he was going to come to Man United for that. I think if, if he was told that he was going to be on the bench for the season, he'd have stayed at Brentford.
2: No, I I, I was going along
3: the lines of 70-75%. And, and it still starter, might work like you know. that through the season. Like he might he might come in and out a little bit more, like it might change. It depends what happens with Casemiro and how Casemiro fits in there. What does Scott McTominay do? You know, everyone wants him sold. It's kind of like he's not going to be sold. He's going to play games. Fred's going to play games still. So it's that mix, isn't it, and finding the right mix. But I think with Ericsson, simply because he can do three or four things really well, Scott, probably means that he will be more of a starter than a non-starter. Other players might have to go in out. We've already seen, haven't we, Fred? Fred's energy game will fit certain games, but already the manager's gone. You're going to go and sit on the bench because you, you just don't keep the ball well enough. So Ericsson is a ball retainer, so is Casemiro. I think those are the two who will be the starter at the base of the midfield.
2: Does Casemiro get a start at Leicester? Because United play Leicester at about 8 o'clock on Thursday night, UK time, right before the transfer deadline uh, pops up. And what changes are you expecting here? Maybe one or two? I think you can't really change the defence at the moment. Uh, What are you expecting from this one?
3: After the Liverpool game said that I hope and I think that Ten Hag will just stick now with a lot of this. He, what, he see, what he likes, he'll say, good, do it again and do it again and do it again. It would be a bit weird to kind of go to Leicester, a team themselves kind of struggling with their own identity and how they're playing and not take advantage of it with what you've got. So will Casemiro start? I think this time, probably yes. But I said in the last game, probably not, because I think you're still integrating. It's a bit like Anthony. Anthony might be ready for Arsenal, but you're playing the best team in the division at the moment. Is it the right time to integrate a player against a really good Arsenal team? No is the answer to that. Give him 10 or 15 minutes at the end. That's the right way to do it. So Casemiro, we know that he's ready in terms of his fitness. So that's a big plus point here. And he's had the whole... What well, we said a whole week, but he's had over the weekend and now and going into this game to work through the tactics, the sports science bits and bobs with the manager. I think he probably will, st- will play at the base of the midfield and they'll build from there. They'll try and see what they can do against Leicester. Leicester are kind of primed for the counter-attack. You know, you can do that the way Leicester want to play with their midfield being pretty high and playing for- through Vardy. So I think Casemiro will be there to kind of help guard those runs that, that the centre-forward makes for Leicester. Um, And then you can break off that, can't you? So I can see, I think they're trying to form a partnership now between Martinez, Varane and and Casemiro to be the real kind of cement in the team in the middle of the park. Because you need that to build off to allow your attackers to go and do their work. You know, I've been trying to build a team without having that foundation there for... (laughs) For guesswork. Yeah, they've been trying to do it with guesswork for years, haven't they? They'll be kind of going, we want to do this, but... We're just not going to buy the right players for it. So they've bought Casemiro. They've spent an incredible amount of money on him. Doesn't matter now, the money or the wage. Put that away. It's now about the player, isn't it? So he fits what they want to do, and now they've got to actually go and do it. And he could arguably be a much more important signer than a ball progressor, because if he actually helps you stop conceding goals, he himself can progress the ball and play it to other players on the pitch that can get you goals and assists. You're feeling more optimistic now than Rob.
2: Uh, I- you know, two games in, United just lost 4-0 to Brentford. Uh, they were bottom of the league. We were talking, God, how low can they finish here? And now all of a sudden they're eighth. And, you know, not, not in contention, but things are looking a lot brighter. Leicester are bottom of the league now. Are we expecting
3: Man United to go to Leicester and win again? I expect. I expect them to go there. To win or try to win at the very least. Like as last year, I think the difference was you go to Leicester and you think probably going to lose this. Yeah. Because Leicester, Leicester, Leicester will play the ball through the channel and Vardy will run like a madman between him and Harry Maguire and will go, pff, 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 and that would be that end of the game. But you're not in those that place anymore. I don't want to pretend that I'm some football Zen master. I'm not. Absolutely not. I get as stressed as anyone else. But I've looked at it the same way from day one with Ten Hag as I look at it today. this is all a work in progress. And with works in progress, you're going to see some horrendous stuff, but you're also going to see stuff that you like. And it takes time to iron it all out. It really does. So all of these games now are about building towards the future. You know, we've just made the third biggest signing of all time in Man United's history. He's about to go over the line and be done. He's not played a minute yet. So what is the point in kind of feeling good or bad about it? It's like we need to see it. Put it on a football pitch and Ten Hag, show us what you know about this boy. You know you've brought him here. You demanded from day one that Man United paid a huge fee for him. Man United have done that for you now. Now turn it into football results. And of course, when we say results, we mean victories. So I feel I feel calm about it, Scott. That's what I'm going to say. I felt calm about it in pre-season. Then we had that blip with the two games and it was horrible. And it's like, oh, here we go again. It's you know this is like some form of like repetition that goes around in circles with Man United and we still might see some more of that I'm kind of ready for that but at the same time I think we've got a much better football team to start this season than we had last year either to start the season or end it I'm just quite pleased that it's fresh blood like Anthony doesn't know anything about Man United last year and Martinez doesn't know anything about ronaldo last year or this year and that's how you move it all on your project On you get new players that really really want it and i think that we're, we're we're getting there i think this is a good window i think 225 million is a good amount of money to spend on on a new manager trying to implement his own philosophy
2: i think balance is the key word for me it just looks yeah looks as though now that the signs that they've made or they they will be making anthony expected to be confirmed if Yeah. If it hasn't been already by the time you're listening to this, there's balance there.
3: And and I do hope that kind of down the season, we kind of can look back with hindsight and go the best thing that happened to Man United was losing 4 0 at Brentford. Best thing because it burst the bubble. It made Tenar go, you lot are a nightmare. So I'm going to sort this out. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here's some new players. And here are my tactics. And you know what? You're going to go and run 13K and I'm going to run it with you. You know, these things have to happen in a certain order in the world for them to work they cannot be just done like off the top of someone's head so I think we're going to look back at that and say right that was a game where Ten Hag learned his lesson very early and said right now we need to have different fundamentals at play and I think that's why the Casemiro deal became important and I think this is why the Anthony deal has become really important for United is that they've had this small window of looking at everything and going right we wanted those players but now we realize we really need them like we need them or this season's going to be mid-table. So I think United are back in the conversation now for top four because you go look at Chelsea, they've spent so much money and they look a mess still, you know, and it's it's going to take time for Tuchel to sort that out. Arsenal and Tottenham blow hot and cold. City and Liverpool are blowing hot and cold for them, for their standards. So this could be a very interesting season if Van United get it right now at the end of this transfer window and at least have 11 players without injuries They can help you win football matches against your more bog standard Premier League sides. We'll
2: see how it goes. Man United play Leicester on Thursday night, which is also transfer deadline day. We've spoken all about transfers that United are expected to complete or will have completed if you're listening to this uh, later than we're recording it on Tuesday morning. Anthony will sign from Ajax for around 100 million euros, including bonuses. Martin Dubravko will sign for United as well. There's links to new strikers. Frankie De Jong won't go away and uh, we'll see how it goes because we're not going to be back for another show now until the transfer window is closed. Maybe United will pull off a miracle, another miracle in the next few days. Maybe they won't, maybe they're just happy with what they've got. Uh Rob, thank you very much. Uh we'll be we'll see you on Friday and uh hopefully we'll be talking about another win for United. Speaking like I'm confident all of a sudden which is weird. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays too. So head over to the channel, A Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast, and subscribe. Join the community. Hit the like button on this video. Leave a comment as well. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on a previously said audio platform. And get us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much. We'll be seeing you soon. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Until next time.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.